it's pretty wild what's going on in space right now, Sean. And when I say space, I'm talking low Earth orbit. Over the last couple years between Bezos and Musk and Branson all really amping up, hyping up, Hollywooding and glamoring up space mm -hmm. and trying to get everyone excited how we're going to have, you know, citizens are going to be taking trips to the moon and we're going to colonize Mars and and all this, you know, space elevators and isn't this wonderful and everyone's getting on board and they're watching Musk's rockets shoot up or the Starlinks in the sky and they think it's so cool and they're applauding. That's the game. That's the distraction. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Corey from Corey's Digs. And you're not going to want to miss this one. It's appalling, this control framework they put in place. Do you know that they've given themselves immunity? Yes, immunity to 76 of these international organizations. And if you think space is the new frontier, well, that's only partially true. It's the new frontier for all assets and the surveillance total control grid. Friends, thanks so much for being here. Spread this one far and wide. Hey friends, welcome back. Thank you so very much for tuning in. It's Sean from SGT Report here. Guys, I got to tell you, this report is going to tick you off. Rules for me, not for thee. It's time to opt out of this criminal system. What you're about to hear should enrage the masses, at least those among the masses who still have the ability to think. Guys, I have Corey from Corey's Digs on the line, and today we're going to talk briefly about her article, Laundering with Immunity, the Control Framework, and then we're going to get into space, the new frontier for the central control grid. But I do want to start with this from Laundering with Immunity. A band of criminals got together a century ago and decided that they were going to own the world, hold all of the power, create and hoard all of the money, and keep everyone on a constant spin cycle to fool them. Not only were they going to construct it as they see fit, but they were going to build the most elaborate enslavement system this world has ever seen. One that gives them full immunity and allows them to operate outside the law entirely. And they were going to do it without anyone realizing it until it was too late. Is it too late right now? We're getting awfully close. Just few of the immunity privileges and tax exemptions enjoyed by these people under the Internal Organization Immunities Act of 1945 include, are you ready for this? I was just talking about this in my last two videos, property taxes, one of the most insidious and nefarious of all taxes because it deprives you of your right to ever own your property outright, but not them. Under the Internal Organization's Immunities Act of 1945, these people enjoy exemption from property taxes, internal revenue taxes, communication taxes, taxes on transportation of persons or property, and custom duties and associated taxes. Guys, you can't make this up. Corey Diggs is back and it's been far too long. Corey, how are you? I'm doing good, Sean. I'm looking at all your tabs up there thinking that's just how my computer looks right now with 100 tabs up at all times. Yeah, I can't keep it all straight. I mean, the I news is coming at us. Look, it's the quickening, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and in addition to taxes, more importantly, is all of their arc, their documents, their banks, bank accounts, you know, everything's inviolable. There's no seizure of property. Uh, you can't, um, the judicial system, there is no judicial system for them because they'd have to waive their immunity, which they do not do because I looked into that. So, I mean, what we're talking about here in the uh and this is very layered 
So I have two parts done. I'm actually still working on a few more parts to this, but we've, we're talking 76 international organizations and banks. And then in addition to that, you have BIS, the Bank for International Settlements, plus 63 central banks. And we also have Gavi, Big Pharma, and CERN. So we're talking of the 76 organizations, don't hold me to this, it's either like 20 or 22 of those are UN arms, you know, which includes, of course, the World Bank as well. But then additionally, there's the OAS, which most people are not aware of, the Organization of American States. And I wrote a lot about them in part two. Uh, and so what we have is in, in the U.S., okay, back in 1945, we did the uh, Congress pass this International Organization Immunities Act to protect, uh, which which really was set out to kick off to protect the UN and the OAS, which the OAS goes back way before the UN, all the way back to 1890, and no one's eyes are on that. They're the Western Hemisphere. So, so they, uh, sorry if I have to keep keep apologizing or pausing because I can't breathe through my nose right now. So just stick with me. So Congress passes this in 1945 under the guise of we need to rebuild and, you know, during World War II, and we need to get these immunities in place, which are equivalent to that of diplomatic immunities. And we need to keep them safe and make this easier so we can move and repair, you know, and get the world back in order. And so that was the excuse. And they gave full authority to presidents to be able to designate these organizations by executive uh, order. And so every president since Truman, all the way up until we got to Trump, was doling these out. And um, so we're talking, yeah, 76 organizations now have been operating entirely outside the law. Then what you have, and mind you, this is not just in the U.S., people in other countries, you start going in and looking at, just type in like international immunities or just immunities and privileges, and you'll see they, they've all signed on to this. So they may have their wording a little differently. I did give some examples in this report of other countries of what they call them, uh, but they're all on board with this. And so they've been moving about and operating outside the law for decades. And then you've got the Bank for International Settlements and the central banks. So when the central banks are working with BIS, um, they have these same privileges and immunities. Now, they also have, like the UN, for example, and OAS, they have, uh, well, as well as Gavi and Global Fund, because of course the Global Fund's in this list too, Sean. So they have headquarters agreements and in the headquarters are inviolable. So, I mean, not even, you've got the OAS and UN headquarters, you've got uh, offices right there outside the White House and not even military can go in there. No police. <laughs> so, so then you've got treaties, layers of treaties. And in these documents, it states, and I, and I cover these in part two, that in the case of the UN and Organization of American States, they have the right to extend these immunities uh, to organizations they're working with. So, for example, if they're working with Facebook um, pertaining to elections, which they've done, and I cited that one in part two, uh, they can sign these NDAs and these immunities will carry over. So, 
and 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 they're observers. The OAS is observers of elections. They travel to different countries and they traveled here too. And they they put in their um their two cents on, you know, uh if the elections were performed correctly and uh not fraudulently and all that good stuff. So <clears throat> excuse me. This is um this is something that I th I think I think a lot of people may have known that the UN has some sort of protections and that um, maybe even knew that Gavi had some immunities, but the extent of this is unbelievable. And I document all 76 organizations and the executive orders, the dates they were given these immunities. And if you look at it, you're like, well, shit, there's the future. I mean, because it's got postal, it's got um, labor, you know, fishing, marine, weather, food. It's got every major industry incorporated in there. And then you wonder how all these NGOs and all these people, you know, the Clintons, the Gates running the running the money through the, all these laundering schemes continue to get away with this because they have immunity. I mean, this is why they walk around all smug. Mm -hmm. That's right. They are above the law and they know it. Right. Again, rules for me, not for thee. This is the way these people walk around the world. And, you know, they were really bright to put in place things like the Vatican, the city of London, Washington, D.C., Israel, the state of Israel. See, these are all sovereign states that they own and control, essentially, right? Beyond the reach of we the people. How about Lake Havasu in Arizona? I just learned the other day from one of my guests, Nathan Reynolds, that Lake Havasu is another one of these sovereign entities that these people own and control. So it's bad enough that we have to deal with the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and the Federal Reserve System and the central banks and the Committee of 300, the Club of Rome, Bilderberg, the CFR, and the United Nations. In addition to that, you've got 76 international organizations who have been given immunities and privileges, including exemption from property taxes or internal revenue tax. So, yes, mm -hmm. they own and control the world. They consider themselves the masters of the universe, and we are just serfs on their plantation. It's time for us to opt out, Corey, oh, yeah. through, whether it's through trusts or however people opt out. If we take a look at the U.S. debt clock, $34.5 trillion and counting, these people continue to expect us to pay the blood money taxes to them for their malfeasance and their wars without end. So right. I'm so it, glad it, you wrote this thing because it's helping wake me up. I didn't even realize it was quite this bad. Uh, I, to be honest, I hadn't either. I was talking with Catherine and she was going over uh, the Bank for International Settlements and the immunities and privileges. And I said, you know, I know this is the case with Gavi and I know this is with, you know, obviously Big Pharma. Everyone knows that. And then, uh, but, but even Big Pharma doesn't have it immunities to, they can't be held liable, but when it comes to vaccines, but this goes way beyond that. I mean, they can't even, um, officers and employees can't even be, uh, they're exempt from legal suits or any other legal action in regards to any activities related to work. You know, they can scoot across from one country to the next and don't have to go through regular, uh, the regular process we do. There's no registration or fingerprinting, nothing. So these people can move like, you know, not like borderless. Them, but, so to yeah. them, the world is borderless, right? Mm -hmm. See, the serfs, we have to obey and abide by the borders and the rules and the regulations. By the way, show me the contract. Show me the contract that allows, for instance, I just cited this with my guest, Brent Johnson, the folks in the neighborhood next to me. 
they all just got assessed $2,900 per house because the city came through and re-blacktopped the roads in front of the houses. Okay, show me the contract. No, they're out of control. States, cities, counties, municipalities, they're all out of control and they need to be brought to a halt. This needs to stop right now. Oh, yeah. And, it, and you know, you, you just, it gets worse because when I, when I then, you know, I keep switching back and forth to different reports because I, I do what is hitting at the moment and what I think is time sensitive. And so part, part three of this I'm working on actually pertains to the border um, and certain immunities that connect there, uh, which we know is a huge issue right now. But then in addition to this, they're building the whole this whole control grid in space. We we are living in quite the crazy time, Sean. Well, it's upside down world, and this is what Satanists do, right? They invert everything. They want to even invert God's law. We talk about this in show after show after show, whether it's the trans insanity, the open borders, the abortion, right up until the day of birth. Some of these clowns are arguing for abortion after birth, so that's infanticide. But Mm -hmm. why would that surprise us? They're already trying to kill us with a bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine. Look at this. Additional organizations with immunity by treaties and or no liability laws. Gavi, founded in the year 2000 by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation with UNICEF, the World Bank Group, and the World Health Organization listed as partners. Gavi, beyond the law. Above yeah, the law. and what they did there, it's the same thing they pulled with the global funds. So they were able to get in under, um, uh, they had cover, okay, immunities and privileges like under the who through there. And then once they were able to establish and then they get their immunities in Switzerland, then they pull out from that and they get the immunities over here. The whole thing, it's just, it's, it's such a scheme, the whole thing. And the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation, as far as I'm concerned, is just a revolving door for the CIA and, you know, moving funds through. Yeah. hundred percent. Biggest, biggest scheme. They move it from, from the Gates trust over to, because I mean, I've read endless tax documents on these people more than I care to ever read in a lifetime. And they move the money from the trust over to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And then they move it out to the Global Fund or Gavi, which is, of course, you know, so they're moving everything into nonprofits. And then they'll cycle them out to one of their buddies. One of their buddies, other orgs will cycle it back to them. They'll move it across the country through a bank that's under BIS through immunities and privileges. And you can never trace it. Well, what a great name for this, the control framework, right? Laundering with immunity, the control framework. The control framework is the fiat printing presses and the digital money they create out of thin air, right? Mm -hmm. Never backing a deposit even in your own bank anymore. We used to have gold and silver in the banks. Well, no longer. We used to have fractional reserve currency, so at least 10% of deposits were backed by cash in the banks. No more. There is no cash in the banks. There's just enough cash to get through a day. So you, dear listener, if you want to get all your money out before the collapse comes, good luck. Oh, that's true. I, you know, I actually had, I've had several run-ins with a, with a local bank here. I I actually moved my funds to a uh, family owned bank. However, because of location and whatnot, I I keep just a a minimal amount in a uh, local bank here 
And they're literally grilling me. Well, why do you want to take that much out? And it really wasn't even a large sum. And I'm like, it's really none of your business. This is my money. Just, just give it to me. And the manager's sitting with me. Well, we don't normally keep it. Sean, it was like $5,000. We're not talking 50 grand here. And, and it's a big deal because they have to order it and you have to wait uh, up depending on what day you go in as long as a week to be able to get your cash. And I'm hearing this from people all over. So you're right. When you say there's only enough in a bank for, for the day, that's, that's true. That's how they're rolling now. Yeah. And here's how much they hate us and they hate God. What you're all looking at here is uh, the bank for international settlements photoshopped into a laundry tumbler. But uh, what does it represent? The Tower of Babel. See, these mm-hmm. people hate us and they hate God and they mock God on a daily basis. Yeah. So we could really dig into this further. I'll leave the link below to that particular article. But how about this one? Space, the new frontier for the central control grid. What if you had the ability to construct the central operations center for the entire control grid from a location with no real jurisdiction and no accessibility or oversight? What if the massive power source you need to run this operation could be harnessed under the guise of climate change in an expedited manner? And what if you could have full surveillance and weaponry at your disposal with an entire financial infrastructure in place whose data sits in the palm of your hand while you control the levers? Space, the new frontier for the central control grid. Where should we begin here, Corey? This is a beast of a report. This is 40 pages long. So I'm going to give the cliff notes on it. And what I did is I broke this into categories because I'm tying up the control grid that is being built in space along with where we're at with the financial infrastructure, which is also being built in space. So I broke it into uh, brush strokes that has over 26 uh, important statistics and dates of significance. And then uh, under space, I've got the space-based data centers, the solar systems, satellites, blockchain, surveillance and weaponry, and uh, space laws. And then I get into the digital currency, you know, moving faster than a rocket. It's, it's pretty wild what's going on in space right now, Sean. And when I say space, I'm talking low Earth orbit. So we see them <clears throat> over the last couple of years between Bezos and Musk and Branson all really amping up, hyping up, Hollywooding and glamoring up space mm-hmm. and trying to get everyone excited how we're going to have, you know, citizens are going to be taking trips to the moon and we're going to colonize Mars and And all this, you know, space elevators and isn't this wonderful and everyone's getting on board and they're watching Musk's rockets shoot up or the Starlinks in the sky and they think it's so cool and they're applauding. That's the game. That's the distraction. What they're really doing is building out the infrastructure of the main central control grid, in my humble opinion. So I've cited over 160 pieces of evidence and resources in here. I've read through, I can't even tell you, Sean, (laughs) how many white papers and websites and documents I've read through um, to pull all this together. And so to, to nutshell this, what we've got going is, okay, they started, they're, they're building out like the internet and the military internet and space. And they started with the Hewitt Packard built the first edge computing data center with AI capabilities called the HPE Spaceborne Computer 2. 
And then we got the European Union teamed up with Thales Alina Space to deploy data centers by the early 2030s. And what they say is that it's a cooler environment and there's less energy usage and no vibration. And that quantum computing is ideal for this environment and that neural network computing and financial data centers will require this high processing capacity. So Edge and I have covered in our in our podcasts about the enormous amount of power that's required to run you know, a digital financial system. And so what they're doing is partly under the guise of climate change. You know, we need to get um, a whole different power source going here. So so we need to set up solar systems in space-based solar systems. And this is something that goes back to the 1970s when NASA was talking about replacing fossil fuels with solar systems in space. And, and Russia was talking about it back then as well. And so what they say is if you, if you put these, if you build these in space, you can draw from the sun 24 seven, and then you can power all the satellites and space stations, which by the way, they want to decommission the ISS by 2030 and replace it with four commercial space stations. Of course, you know, with, with uh, Sierra Nevada's, Sierra Space and Blue Origin and and Lockheed Martin and all those fun cats. So so they want to get these solar systems up there. And what they're saying is in addition to powering the space stations and and satellites up there, they will beam microwave energy, electromagnetic waves down to Earth into receivers. And in fact, time, was it the Financial Times? I want to say it was the Financial Times, just ju- after I already published this, came out with an article, and they have a whole diagram. Shoot, I should have sent you that link, um, showing how this would work as far as beaming this down to Earth that could then allegedly draw enough solar power to power an entire town. And so this, of course, would then offset, you know, get us down to net zero while also providing the power they need in space so that they could expedite the financial system faster. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> in addition to that, you know, this is really so so I want to talk about satellites for a minute because people put Musk on this this high pedestal and I don't know how you feel about Musk. How do you feel about Musk, Sean? I think he's the best of the worst as far as the billionaires go, the multi-billionaire class goes, but he's obviously deep state Look at his parents, look at his heritage, look at his upbringing. Uh, He's doing some of the things we the people might want somebody in his position of power to do. But at the same time, he's doing all sorts of things that are tied to the deep state and the government and the shadow government with these contracts that are coming to launch whatever they're launching into space. If you call it space, I like what you said, near Earth orbit, because they ain't going back to the moon. And they're certainly not going to Mars anytime soon, even though that's what NASA claims. They're spending, what, $40 million a day or is it 80 I think NASA gets 40 or $80 million per day. Meanwhile, all of the real stuff has been farmed out to Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos as they privatize space and then they sell it like science fiction to the people. So the people have bought all of this hook, line and sinker. And here's what I wanted to just read real quickly before I scroll on and miss it. On September 9th, 2023, the G20 publicly agreed to build the enslavement system. Guys, everybody listening, please splice this part of the conversation out, make a little clip and spread it all over TikTok. 
the G20 publicly agreed to build the enslavement system with a new international governance for artificial intelligence and a digital public infrastructure, DPI, to include digital identification, payment infrastructure, and data exchange, all under the guise of improving lives and enabling digital inclusion. What is digital inclusion? Once you opt in, once you consent, once you accept their offer, you will be on their digital plantation. You will be included in their digital slave system. Do not consent. Do not opt in. Please spread at least that part of this interview far and wide. That's right. And I have the full 37-page declaration in there that they can share as well. And, you know, it's not just that they're... So so it would appear that they're privatizing because here's what happened. So let me tell you a little story about the satellites. So back in... They always had these intergovernmental satellites, right? So we had Intelsat. And then in 2000, what happened is, trying to find my notes because I don't want to get a date wrong here. Uh, Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. So then, where's, where's my note? Oh, there we go. So we had, in 1962, we had the Communications Satellite Act, right? Then... In 2000, and I just, I don't know, maybe a lot of people are aware of this who dug into 9-11, I'm not sure. But in 2000, they passed the Orbit Act, Congress did. Hmm. And that was to privatize satellites. Allegedly under, you know, we need to promote healthy competition. So in July 2001, Intelsat, who, who, by the way, is the one who, you know, filmed the first moon landing and all. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they they uh they were they were the big big dog. So Intelsat. Intelsat. So okay. Was- so they're privatizing space, right? They're privatizing satellite ownership. Guys, think of how nefarious this is when they've already set up the control framework, providing themselves with immunity so they're above the law for their 76 international organizations and of course all the ones that we already knew about. Right, including the United Nations, including the mm-hmm. Vatican City of London, Washington, D.C., and Israel. And as I said previously, Lake Havasu in Arizona. So now these same people, these same controllers, these same demonic entities, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, right, the people that own the world, now they get to own the satellites so that they can build a grid to enslave you? Oh, my God, Corey. I know. It gets crazier. So, <laughs> so, so in 2000, Congress signs the Orbit Act. To privatize satellites. So then July 2001, Intelsat, you know, moves over to to a privatized company. And then two months later, we have 9-11. So then right after that, Pentagon spent millions of dollars buying exclusive rights to the Iconos satellite picks after bombing Afghanistan, right? So they could, you know, conceal all that. Then in March 2002 is when SpaceX was born. I just want to keep all this in perspective for people because now what they're doing is it would give the appearance that satellites are privatized, but they are contracting with the Pentagon, right? So now you got Space Force coming out, which by the way, everything's moved under Space Force. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. So they come out and they say, this is just a couple of weeks ago, we need to put together a strategy a guideline for all commercialized companies, satellite companies, because we need to work together in both peacetime and wartime. And so they are now working on a guideline 
that they're going to be probably putting out in the next month for the commercialized companies. So make no mistake. And I can I can run through, you know, SpaceX, people think, oh, he saved he saved us from World War Three when all that business was going on with the satellites um and with the Ukraine. Bit in Ukraine, right? The Pentagon was just like chomping at the bit observing this. They they wanted this. So to put this in perspective, you know, they work these satellites are more than just providing internet for people. They sync them up. So in April 2020, SpaceX teamed up with Air Force to link Starlink satellites with multiple armed force systems for a huge live fire exercise that included ground forces, submarine ships, and other space-based assets to shoot down cruise missiles and, dr and a drone. Prior to that, they linked up with Lockheed Martin's AC-130 gunship. Okay, they have contracts with the Department of Defense. They are building out an entire um, satellite uh, constellation called Starshield. And so now what happens is there's Starlinks that everyone sees in the sky uh, with all the little the little train of lights that is allegedly going out there to provide everyone internet, which it is because it's a great cover story. And they need that. They need to get everyone hooked in to the satellites. So in addition to that, it, it, it forms what looks like a grid, right? Just around the globe. They're in over 60 countries. They have tons of ground-based stations that relay, but eventually they're not going to need those because they have lasers. So the lasers beam from one satellite to another, and they're building a mesh network. Then they can transfer that data over to Starshield, i.e. government military satellites. So that's the full picture of that. Make no mistake about it. In the meantime, in, in June of last year, the Navy moved all of their um, uh, satellite systems control, you know, over to Space Force. And then in August, the uh, Army did the same. So for the first time ever, we now have all SATCOM capabilities transferred under Space Force. Then in October 1st of this year, just a few weeks ago, the U.S. Army's Joint Tactical Ground Station Missile Warning System officially transferred over to Space Force. So we have, we've got a lot moving into this. And Morgan Stanley's space team estimates that the $350 billion global space industry is going to reach $1 trillion by 2040. I can tell you it's going to be way more than that. I mean, just from the research I've done, I, there's so much money being poured into this, Sean. It's unbelievable. And, you know, the weapon of choice they use is our cell phones. So right now, as of 2022, there's already 6.4 billion people with cell phones. And they want to get that to 7.7 .7 by 2028. If there's still 7.7 .7 population, allegedly we're up to 8 billion. And I don't know how we're going up when the birth rate's going down, the miscarriages are going down, the sudden deaths, you know, so I'm... Miscarriages are going up, you mean, right? Uh, birth rates going down and then miscarriages are, yes, yes. Did I say down? I meant up. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're depopulating and right. uh, nobody can seem to figure out why after 2020, all-cause mortality jumped 40 plus percent all over the world. Couldn't be the bioweapon huh. masquerading as a vaccine. I wanted to ask you about this because I did hear him say this. Elon mm -hmm. Musk talking about how X possibly being half of the global financial system. How would that even be possible? What in the heck is he talking about? So, 
This is why I've warned people not to get the blue check on Twitter, not to put in your financial digits, uh, not to do the ad revenue program. Uh, what he's looking to do is he wants to bring in uh, crypto. He wants it to be like a, um, is it like WeChat? I think it's like WeChat, right? Mm -hmm. He wants it to be this everything app where uh, they can track you. They've got your financial digits. They can start your social credit system. They're running their uh, various AI programs, uh, scraping as much data as possible to build this out. Uh, and then he, you know, started the ad revenue program, which of course is promoting a lot of the enemy, the propagandists, the yeah. Disney pedophiles, the mainstream news. And I, people seem to be okay with that, which is very stunning to me. Uh, and the censoring continues, make no mistake about that. And so he wants this to eventually be uh, a system where people can run their payments through, they can purchase things. He wants to build this up into an everything app where, you know, if if you want to, uh, because eventually it's going to all tie together. It's going to all funnel through into this control grid. And so this is why I've been warning about this for a long time now. Uh, and, and they just recently, Sean, just like a week or two ago, said that they're running this test system in, I want to say it was like the Philippines and somewhere else where... They're charging a dollar a year for an annual subscription as a way to test um, trying to weed out all the bots, which is complete BS. There are a million and one ways their algorithms can do that. Charging a dollar is going to be nothing more. So in other words, they're giving people the, the forewarning that we're going to end up start doing this. If you want to be on Twitter, you're going to have to subscribe. And uh, we've already seen, I can't remember the name of the company now out of Israel, but uh, the company where they want to do uh, it, it's starting out as an option, but eventually it's it would be mandatory where it's going to grab your biometrics and stuff. So people will have to click on the video and watch him in his own words saying this. But this this is the goal. They they there. So there's a lot of competition in the financial industry right now, and with blockchain, for example. Okay, they've already got this running. <laughs> uh, satellites. Guess who was the first to test this? Who? J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan, through their division Space Bridge, tested the world's first bank-led tokenized value transfer in space, executed via smart contracts on a blockchain network established between satellites orbiting Earth. And, of course, the payment was successful. I have their video demo in this report. You can watch it where someone's sitting on a cell and they show the the money moving through, um, you know, the satellite pinging off and then coming back through their phone. And so what they say, what J.P. Morgan says, and I quote, space exploration is becoming increasingly well-funded and presents an exciting opportunity to deploy financial technology to create a brand new payments infrastructure leveraging blockchain. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we've got numerous. We've got NASA, Space Chain, IBM Space Tech, Blockstream and Bitcoin. You got Ethereum, CryptoSat. China's working on this. Deloitte and Bitwave. Everyone's working on this. It's moving very quickly. 
Can I ask you something about digital yeah. currency? Obviously, uh, they want to introduce a central bank digital currency, but uh, I wanted to ask you about Bitcoin, about cryptocurrency, because here's a great example, right? Good cop, bad cop. Mm -hmm. Guys, good cop, bad cop. You've seen it in the movies, right? So bad cop, Department of Defense, DARPA. Good cop, Elon <laughs> Musk. Bad cop, Gary Gensler. Very anti-crypto, right? Blocking the way for a Bitcoin spot ETF. Good cop, Larry Fink and BlackRock. Do you see how they whipsaw us? I mean, oh, yeah. good cop, bad cop at every turn. What do yep. you think? Why is Larry Fink and BlackRock suddenly pro-Bitcoin? And they're going to get their Bitcoin spot ETF, which I think, and so many pundits I listen to, really smart people, billionaires, think that that will send Bitcoin to $100,000 plus, possibly to a million dollars per Bitcoin. Why is Larry Fink and BlackRock playing good cop? And what is the end goal? Where does Bitcoin fit into any of this? Because they want everybody on digital currency. And Elon's out there to make it look cool, to befriend everyone. And I can, so here, here's what's really easy to spot. This is the tip off. For those who are on Twitter that follow Elon, because I, I've watched so many people completely fooled by this. What happens is, when he starts being targeted, when people are on to him, like some new censorship thing comes into play, right? Like, oh, let's bring in WEF, you know, I can't even think of her name right now for CEO. And, and then people will hit him. Then what happens is they'll roll out some BS story on and to turn, flip him into a victim role, right? Like, oh, Biden administration's going after him or the ADL's going after him or so-and-so's, everyone's going after poor Elon. So then everyone jumps to, to uh, support him and rescue him. And don't worry, we know you're doing good because you gave me back my account. Well, yeah, because they need everyone dialed in. So then that story will go to the side. And then all of a sudden a new attack starts on him and then boom, they flip him into victimhood again. It is just this consistent, so easy to spot pattern. Uh, they need to keep him. It's exact. That's exactly it, Sean. It's the good cop, bad cop. They wanted Can I say something. Well, listen to this because I want people to understand. And I've done videos about this, right? When they were telling us Jeff Bezos was the world's richest man before his divorce. Now they're saying it's Elon Musk. That is such incredible nonsense that I was inspired to do a documentary back in 2017. Okay, this mm -hmm. goes back six, seven years, guys. The Rothschilds trillions quantified. So Nathan Rothschild had bragged that after the Battle of Waterloo, he had increased his inheritance given to him by his father by 2,500 times. Mm. And so I took that figure, 15 million pounds, back in 1817, and with 200 years of compounding interest at just 8%, that turned into over $250 trillion. So the point I'm trying to make is that there's just no way that Elon Musk with just one generation, one guy could build all of this without the help of these well-heeled individuals who control 76 international organizations, which are above the law. And by the way, is this real? Is this a real tweet? Were they being serious, Corey, or is this tongue-in-cheek? Our next-generation Starlink optical space lasers were launched to orbit on Monday. Is that legit? Is that real? That is what they are saying they are doing, that they're running, they run the lasers. If you go, if you go down one, I have another shot. Let's see. So see how they see it, show it triangulating. Yep. So they're, they're building a mesh network. And so the satellite, the beam, laser beam goes from satellite to satellite to satellite to, to form this mesh network. 
So back to what you're saying about crypto. I want to read a couple things on what's going on with the, the whole digital financial situation, because <clears throat> yes, I believe personally, I've always believed, which is why I've just never gotten involved with crypto, that Bitcoin was a trap set long ago to eventually roll people in. Look, if, if we, you see it in every industry. If you can't make something go viral, if you can't make it trendy, if you can't Hollywood it up, it's not going to catch on. And so they need to bring people in and then they need to have the face, which is Elon is a face. He is not a genius. He is a face. He is a Mark Zuckerberg. He is a Bill Gates. He is a Mark Bezos. They are faces. And uh, well, can I ask you something? Let me just jump in and ask you this. So Max Kaiser pro Bitcoin, since it was, you know, a couple of pennies each, uh, he bought tens and tens of thousands. In fact, he gave 10,000 Bitcoins to Alex Jones on a computer and Alex claims he lost that little laptop. But Max Kaiser is down in El Salvador with this guy, the president of El Salvador, and they've made Bitcoin legal tender. The entire country's turning around. It's becoming a beautiful respite from all this tyranny. El Salvador, guys, because of huh. Bitcoin, because of an honest presidente and somebody like Max Kaiser advising the president to make Bitcoin legal tender. So is it possible that Bitcoin, is it possible that we can use their technology against them? Is it possible that some of this has backfired or will backfire? I'll give you an example. The internet. The internet has allowed for this great awakening. When DARPA rolled out the internet, I don't think they necessarily expected that uh, the truth would spread like wildfire to the degree that they would have to uh, make laws banning what they call misinformation and disinformation, which we all know is the truth. You know, Is there a chance that this whole thing could backfire? to some degree and be used against them. Well, so I think with everything, I think there's a lot of people that set out to do good. And then these guys swoop in, they acquire them, they co-opt them, they twist the agenda and, and they use it to their advantage to weaponize it against everyone. And so do I think it's possible that uh, in a world, in a world where these monsters didn't exist, could this be a good form of currency for everyone? Sure. Uh, do I think that that's the way it's going to go? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing just based on research that we're, we're going to hit some walls. Let me, let me just read you. Okay. From a 2021 and I have, I have two points I want to read on this. Okay. And I'll tell you what the coin bureau said about this as well. So in 2021, <clears throat> the fast payment system, which I'll explain what that is in a minute. This is a report by the world bank. They said, Crypto assets appear to be on the rise globally, including some that certain individuals and firms consider to be a medium of exchange. If these crypto assets with payment capabilities gain more mainstream acceptance, a question will arise as to whether or how they shall or could become interoperable with existing payment systems, including fast payment arrangements. Well, they've already achieved that, and I'll get into that. Now, fast forward to... Well, let me tell you what the Coin Bureau said about that specific report. Who's the Coin Bear? I'm not familiar. Coin Bureau. Okay, okay, got it. Coin Bureau is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they, got it. They um, they do videos and articles and and publish on you know sure. uh, crypto related, and and did a really good video on this. So he had pointed out. Sorry, I can't think of his name. That the significance of this for both the cryptos that are already interoperable with ISO 20022 standards, because they just updated those this year, and I'll explain in a minute, 
and other cryptos because central banks could replace stablecoins with fast payment systems and CBDCs, which means crypto prices would be controlled. And so he goes on to suggest that a decentralized stablecoin needs to be built immediately. Well, now fast forward to um, a Bank for International Settlements report I dug up from August of this year. And they say, authorities face a number of policy options to address risks in crypto assets, ranging from outright bans to containment to regulation. While crypto-related activities have not fulfilled their stated goals to date, the technology could still be applied in various constructive ways, Creating a regulatory framework to channel innovation into such socially useful directions will remain a key challenge in the future. So that just gives you a little insight where they're going with this. And when we're talking BIS, we're talking the 63 central banks, we're talking the immunities, we're talking the people that are building this blockchain in space that that allege that this is all going to be decentralized. And I say there's no way in hell anything will be decentralized if these people's hands are on it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. That's entirely possible. Uh, They have built a trillion dollar market out of the crypto space. And by doing so, they have essentially manufactured consent to some degree with digital assets. You make a good point. And it's not a point that's lost on many of us. In fact, I was very against Bitcoin for far too long, but they have manufactured consent and built this market of digital currencies, which does open the door to some extent for the normies to accept CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. These are the people who know nothing about the crypto market. They don't understand Bitcoin. They haven't read the white paper, but they know it exists. And so when a CBDC comes out, they may be more apt to accept that offer. Well, and here's the key to that. We don't need the CBDCs to click everything into place. They already have the framework built. So let me explain where we're at real quick on that. So so you're familiar, you've heard of FedNow, right? Yeah, of that course. Was, yep. That was launched in, in March. So just so people understand, I don't even know how many it's in right now, but or maybe it was launched in July. At any rate, they initially launched it through 35 banks here in the U.S., as well as uh, some other financial institutions. And it was a pilot program in which your bank probably didn't notify you. and uh, because what it is, is it's a gateway, right? It's the back end. So if you're processing funds, you're running a debit card, credit card, instead of the gateway that it normally might channel through to go through, you know, your visa, your MasterCard, your bank, it's going through the FedNow gateway, which is allegedly you know, much faster. So in January, 2001, fast payment systems was rolled out This is a World Bank effort with funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Kingdom of the Netherlands. And so the fast payment systems is something that is is like a real time for the payee and the payer. And it's already in over 60 countries. They've rolled PayPal into this, Venmo into this, uh, Zelle's working on doing this. Um, They have to like partner with banks to do this. And so they're not cutting anyone out. They're rolling them in. And they're like, we need to get the fastest payment systems going and and running. Uh, and so that's going to act as the uh, kind of multi-country gateway. Then what we have is BIS. They rolled out their Nexus gateway and they just finished 
about two or three weeks ago, they just finished their final um, successful test, whereby this is now the cross-border, and this is for wholesale CBDCs. And so they tested this through the central banks in France, Singapore, and Switzerland. And they say this could form the basis for a new generation of financial market infrastructure. And so it can be piggybacked. So in other words, all the infrastructure is already there and ready to rock and roll for digital currency and CBDCs, but they don't need the CBDCs to lock it in, to control us, to control access, to build the social credit scores. And they're using the banks to drive the QR codes and the biometrics. And I want to read something because this is really key. This is in their own words from the Bank for International Settlements, which, you know, heads the 63 central banks. This is from their 2022 report. They say, it needs to be noted that many of these features can, in isolation, be offered by other payment innovations, and many gaps could be addressed through regulation and sound oversight arrangements. So they're talking about CBDCs may not be necessary because combining different payment innovations such as open application programming interfaces, which is APIs, fast payment services, contactless chips, and QR codes could achieve many of the same goals. This is particularly true when accompanied by robust regulatory and oversight arrangements that public authorities can use to catalyze private sector players and for sound governance arrangements and foster required coordination and collaboration. So they don't need, if everyone's sitting here hanging on waiting for CBCs to click in, they've already got the infrastructure to pull off what they want to pull off. And then it, when they get the green light for CBDCs, they just piggyback that onto the system that's already built. Let me get your thoughts on this observation. So Bitcoin, if you've read the white paper, and if you listen to really brilliant people who got in fairly early, and by the way, Michael Saylor got in late, but he has his entire company, MicroStrategies Treasury, invested in Bitcoin. If you listen to people like Max Kaiser, if you listen to people like Michael Saylor, they're really brilliant about what Bitcoin is. And I think they believe that Bitcoin was created by cypherpunks, right? Not the NSA. It was created by people who want freedom from this criminal enslavement system because it was created as a result of the 2008-2009 bailouts. They've been working on this for decades, but uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever that is, whatever group of people that is, cracked the code and they've introduced what Michael Saylor and others believe is perfect money. Now, everything we've been talking about here, if what they're saying is true, is a reaction to that perfect money that now exists in the world. It has never previously existed. An unhackable, peer-to-peer digital money. It's borderless, and it allows people to shelter themselves from hyperinflation. So whether or not they're right about that, that's what they believe, and I hope they're right. I hope everything that we're seeing here in your articles is a reaction to the creation of Bitcoin because what these people still have working against them, and I'm talking about the BIS and the powers that be, is trillions upon trillions, hundreds of trillions of dollars in debt. How are they going to just reset that system overnight? How are they going to get everybody to consent to digital slavery? You know, what you just read here is great, but they need people's consent. They need people to opt in. So I'm just trying to find a little bit of a cup half full scenario here, and I'm hoping right. and I'm hoping that there is a cup half full, and it's that these people are reacting to the creation of digital money 
perfect money that had never existed prior to Bitcoin. I'm hoping for that too, Sean. That would be fantastic. Uh, I just, I, I, I just don't see how these people uh, are going to miss that. <laughs> right. What's that? You don't see how these people could have missed that, and perhaps they're the ones behind the creation of Bitcoin. Well, and I, even if they weren't behind it, they go in and they co-opt everything. They grab up everything. They take over. They overhaul it. They break it true. down. They they centralize or you know centralize it instead of it being decentralized. And I I I don't know. I can tell you that uh, that we're already you think about it how many people are using um all these digital systems already how many people use debit cards instead of cash when i go into local places i always use cash and i'll ask the cash registers because i'll see the people before me and after me even for just like three dollars they're swiping their debit cards or they're scanning their little qr code or their little venmo pay or zelle pay and i ask them do people ever use cash anymore and they're like hardly at all Mm-hmm. So people are already very roped into this digital system. And a lot of what they're doing are gateways on the back end. So when you go into your bank and you look up, you know, FedNow, they talk about everything as rails, right? So you've got the the FedNow rail, you have an ACH rail, you've got a, a you know, a this rail, that rail, but don't you worry, you're not going to actually select the rail. You're just, it'll be convenient for you because If you need to get money over to Joey down the street, you just pick, you know, you just go in and you send it and we'll pick the rail for you. So Mm. I don't think a lot of people are even going to realize what's clicking into place. And to avoid that is to avoid QR codes, biometrics, using debit cards, using credit cards, trying to use cash as much as possible. In China, just the fourth quarter 2019, they reached 1.3 trillion dollars in that's U.S. dollars just in swipe and pay using QR codes. We've got them, they've already created this fast payment systems, created a council. And of course, uh, they've got Walmart, you know, I I can't think of his name off the top of my head, uh, as the chair, because Walmart's been pushing the QR codes for over a decade now. Uh, You've got Deloitte saying in their report that just in a few short years, and this is a very, this report's like a month old, They're saying in regards to expanding biometrics that in just a few short years, 3 billion global consumers are expected to make a a U.S. 1 trillion of purchases using biometric payments. And so my concern is the younger generation seems to be all on board with this, right? Mm Because they're all involved with their tech. And so they're they're driving a lot of this. But I mean, the older generation or middle aged, you know, uh, they're they're just as at fault. I mean, everyone buys into the convenience of everything and they don't want to have to know the details, the specifics, you know, they don't want to know if it's corrupt or not, just as long as it's working for them and it's convenient, they're happy. So, so I don't know. That's, that's kind of what we're up against. That is kind of what we're up against. And uh, I think you nailed it when you said these people, they basically capitalize and overtake anything that's good and then invert it. Right. That's exactly what they did to the Catholic Church and the Vatican. So to recap here, the Bank for International Settlements, Central Banks and Financial Institutions, the World Bank, Federal Reserve and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, a front, have been very busy rolling out a digital financial plan for the near future. We 
need to opt out. You know, another glimmer of hope is people like DeSantis, right? We have no saviors in politics. I think they're all corrupt to some degree. But DeSantis says a CBDC, a Fed-issued CBDC, will be dead on arrival in the state of Florida. This is yeah, what we need to hear. Works. We got to opt out. Say hell no to these people. How does that work? That's a good question. Yeah, how does that work? I mean, if you think about, so we're going state to state with payments, and then you got cross-border payments. And so, you know, Johnny over in Georgia wants to send a payment to Joe over in in Florida, and uh, he's on this system that is running CBDC. So does he then pick a different system? Yeah, I, I just don't understand. I don't know. I don't know how all that would work. If, if I mean, I think it's great. Hey, let's every state get in there and say, no, we don't want any part of this. But is it realistic? Can it work? I don't know. Well, they're going to need another big event, right? Just like they got with this Hamas invasion of Israel. And by the way, guys, as I just cited in my new SGT special report, if you go back to that, I think it was a 2013 or was it 2015 economist cover. What do you see? You see the devil in control of everything on that cover. The devil's in control of climate change. The huh. devil's in control of the euro. The devil is in control even of those hang gliders, which Hamas was flying on that cover, right, years ago, huh. launching rockets into Israel. What do you see in the other hang glider? Netanyahu. And as I cited in that report, Corey, only a Rothschild artist, right, the guy hired to draw all that could be inspired with that kind of world vision, right? The uh -huh. satanic world vision. Literally on the right. cover of that, literally wow. on the cover of The Economist, everything controlled by Satan himself. I got to look at that. I'm not I'm not recalling that cover. I'm going to have to pull that one up. You bet. I'll call it up as we're talking. Cool. There, you know, I'm working on a border report right now. Um, there's so much going on, so many plays going on, so many misdirects and coups. And... And one thing I will say is none of this is cut and dry from the top down, right? right. I mean, and when I say the top, I'm talking like the bankers and the families behind all that uh, kind of being the puppet masters in most cases here. There's nothing, there's so much competition, Sean. I, I was very surprised when I, when I did my book on the global landscape on vaccine ID passports, I was really surprised to see the level of competition because I thought it was just going to be really selective and cut and dry and this is their plan but there's 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 a battle going on I mean aside from between you know shadow government and ourselves there is a battle between countries not wanting to be um you know they're like middle management mm -hmm. or they've completely fallen and so there's so many power struggles going on right now. And of course, I think the greatest one is the spiritual warfare that's happening. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And uh, just about every guest I have on now, be they doctors, be they attorneys, be they authors, everybody is using that phrase, the phrase you just used, spiritual warfare. No, there is a battle going on. I hold out a glimmer of hope because we've got the power of divinity and light and truth on our side. And people are waking up in droves, which is why, as I mentioned earlier in the interview, these demon creatures that control this paradigm are introducing laws around the world to prevent people from discussing or sharing what they call misinformation or disinformation, which you and I both know is truth. 
So there is a battle happening here, and we have definitely not lost this battle yet. We've lost some battles along the way, but we have not lost the war, Corey. No, we haven't. And, and I think there's a lot of battles we can win. And I think that uh, something that's really, really important is people are getting sucked into a lot of misdirection and um, emotional, emotionally charged, emotionally driven, stoking fear. Um, and, and our thoughts manifest our reality. I think it's really important for people to remain you know, balanced and logical and use really good discernment before reacting. Because the way I see it is I have this visual in my head where we are literally powering them. We're like their power source, right? We're electromagnetic beings and we have this umbilical cord that's going up and it's, it's like this battery charger just charging them. And that's what they want. And that's why they keep sucking everyone in to drain everyone's energy and break you down. And you got to cut that cord and you got to stay focused, stay positive, know what's on the horizon and combat it and make the best choices you can. Um, but try, try not to, I mean, I know there's, there's some scary stuff going on, but you know, try not to be caught up in that fear. Um, we can't, we can control our thoughts. We can control our emotions. We can't control everything that's going on right now, but we can um, certainly try to project a future that is not dystopian that they would like to see us in. Yeah. I'm just fascinated by this cover. You know, yeah, I wish um, I had this in high def so I could read all this. Like what is on the side of Obama's little rowboat here? And by the way, right. here's Simon Cowell, right? Bread and circuses. Here's uh, the devil, Satan himself, in charge of climate change. Here's the devil, Satan himself, in charge of the euro. How about Satan pushing all of these bankers and bureaucrats into the greed tunnel, right? They're going oh to their God. own doom. And how about this right here? This. Uncle Sorry. Sam, gluttony, gluttony by Uncle Sam here, laying as he laying down as he drinks a barrel of oil. And there's Netanyahu on a hang oh, glider yeah. fighting with oh. Hamas on a hang glider. T 2013. Wow. This is from gotta, 2013. Pull this up and analyze this. These people are so evil and they are the masters of the universe. They do literally i believe commune with satan there was a whistleblower from the rothschild family who basically said that these people commune with lucifer himself they can summon lucifer well that young yeah. rothschild he died he died at a very young age they don't want people hearing that truth Corey. no all anyone has to do is just go to the cern events they keep the full videos on youtube and you can watch their rituals they're completely completely satanic rituals and opening up other dimensions and letting in God knows what. And uh, I mean, they do the dances, they do all of it right there for anyone to see. Yeah. The Goddard tunnel opening. So many mm -hmm. of us did detailed videos about that because it was completely Luciferian and it was put together at the cost of $6 million just for an opening ceremony to a tunnel. And that was back when $6 million was real money, Corey. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Good Lord. How long does it take you to put together a report as detailed as this one? God rest your soul, Washington Post and mercenaries like Jeff Boberg. Why don't you do real journalism like this as opposed to showing up on my doorstep on a Father's Day on a Sunday at 5 p.m. unannounced? Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Do some real journalism, Washington Post. Well, you, they're not going to, Corey. So how no, long does it take not. you to put something like this together? It would take weeks and weeks. Well, My goodness. That, that one was like two months, but it was on and off because I was working on other projects too, you know, between the weekly podcast and, and doing research for um, 
sometimes I get burnt out staying super hyper-focused in one area. So I'll switch over to another report I'm working on, or I'll work up a short article or, you know, but, but about two months on that one. Good Lord. <laughs> well, the website guys is coreysdigs.com. And I couldn't appreciate Corey Lynn any more than I do. And you guys ought to appreciate her too. Show a little love, show a little support, head over to Corey's Digs. How do people support you beyond that? And where do they find that weekly podcast? So I guess it's right um, here. Podcast. There we go. Yeah, I did. I linked it there, which pulls in um, an RSS from about five different sources because I got, so YouTube booted me and I lost my original Twitter account too. So I have a secondary account on there. Uh, so Rumble, Bitshoot, Odyssey, SoundCloud, they can they can find Dig It on those. And uh, that comes out every Friday. And then on my website, I have a support page. I have a bookshop. So on my bigger reports, in fact, on this one, uh, I did PDF it because people started asking me if I could format it in a PDF so they can download it and archive them. And so to do that, because uh, my website, people can access all my reports for free. Uh, but when the, in the PDFs in the bookshop, there's a small fee for those. And, um, and they'll, they'll see under support. There's other ways they can support me through donor box through there as well, or pay, uh, Patreon. All righty. Well, God bless you guys. The website is coreysdigs.com. Can't recommend it highly enough. Head over there, support the author, support the journalist, the real journalist, and never ever consent to the tyranny that's coming guys. It's a slippery slope. Do not consent. Our guest has been Corey Lynn from Corey'sDigs.com. Corey, we got to get you back a lot sooner, right? It's been too long. Thank you so much today for your time. Oh, thank you. It was great coming back on with you. Always a pleasure. Friends, I want to thank you so much. And please do support Corey. Head over there. Do whatever you can to support her. We got to stick together or we will hang separately as was once said by one of our great founding fathers. Guys, I'll remind you every single day for free. Join us at sgtreport.com. That is the antidote to corporate propaganda and all of those Washington Post, CIA, Mockingbird mainstream media lies. May God truly bless you and yours. Please spread this far and wide within your sphere of influence on social media, guys. God bless. Bye-bye. This is an insane asylum. And the people who participate in it, not just the Bidens of the world and the Netanyahus of the world, but also the people who silently go along with it, who quietly accept it as, well, this is just the way it is. All of them are inmates of the asylum.